0: So guys, the second episode that I remastered, and uh, it's a a a bit echoey. Every time I go back to my old episodes, I realize how shit my audio used to be. So yeah, I did what I can with this episode to try and revitalize it, but it is still a bit echoey. Though this echo is perfect for setting the atmosphere of the voices inside my head. Especially because this is the first part of a trilogy of introducing new characters which are kind of voices in my head. And in this episode, I introduced... him. But Darwin, I am you. Um, you're back. I haven't talked with you in like a year and a half. I don't want to be you anymore, I want to be me! (sighs) Well guys, it looks like I need to take my medication again. A bottle of whiskey. But speaking of alcohol, this episode is perfect for a drinking game. If you have the balls, I dare you. Take a shot every time you hear the name of an X-Men character. I bet by the end of the episode you will be fucking dead. Well, actually don't do that because by the end of the episode I, get into the commentary segment where I talk about my thought process while producing this episode, so please don't die. Such a waste of potential future views. Anyway, on to the episode, and I hope you are a comic book fan, because if you are, this is gonna annoy the heck out of (laughs) you. Hello dear listeners, Darwin here, welcome back to the show. So I prepared an amazing juggernaut of an episode today, moi, Magnitophique, or whatever, I don't speak French, but I did see I gained a few French listeners, shout out to you guys, oh I'm such a dazzler, I'm pirate up, nitro mode, or is it just a mirage, I am a speck of dust in this lonely ocean of podcasts. Today's critter is a central African species of frog called, ooh, let's give this a shot, Trichobatrachus robustus. Phew, I'm not saying that again. Couldn't they forge some cooler names for these things? I could barely cipher this crap. Let's look them up. Hm. A hairy frog? Bah, there is the hairy FROG. Hey, you already caused enough havoc the last episode. Sorry, guys, I should get some wolf's bane to ward off my dark altar. It's going rogue. You know, sometimes when you cage the beast, the dark beast gets angry. You, you cannot, cannot silence me. me. My name is Legion, we are Metal. Join in the Hellfire. Apocalypse is near. Huh, you're a dick. No, I'm Canadian. Okay, whatever, Wendigo. You're ripping the listener's ears apart like some kind of banshee. Moving on, I need to find some cool sounding name for this thing that I can use in the episode title. Ah, Wolverine Frog. Awesome, guys, we're doing the Wolverine Frog. So let's dive in. Cannonball. (laughs) Let's make some magic! Hope my opening gambit didn't ward off too many listeners. I'll probably receive a storm, an avalanche, an onslaught of hate mail. So, for those still tuned in, why is this toad? <laughs> Sorry. Blob, uh, what's with me today? I'm experiencing some kind of surge of Cerebro siloc Probably have a loose cable. Anyway. Why is this frog called a Wolverine frog? Well, I guess it's due to that Canadian Wolverine animal. What kind of monster are you, the Wolverine? It's like some kind of demon bear, very hairy, has sharp claws, is feral, literally makes my blood scream. Kinda like this frog. Well, the Wolverine frog has two unique and sublime adaptations which make it stand out in the amphibian world. Retractable claws and hair-like structures on the bodies of male frogs. Actually, since the retractable claws are trait shared with a few more related frog species, you will most often find the little guy referred to as the hairy frog, which is the literal definition of the genus name No, not pronouncing it again. It was described in 1900s by Belgian-British zoologist George Albert... ...Bollinger? Belenger, Professor X. I am not butchering another pronunciation. So, Professor X described over 2,000 species in his lifetime, 556 of which are amphibians, so don't hate the guy for constructing the most obvious name. The species shows pronounced sexual dimorphism, as males are much larger and are covered in hair. Ooh, we got a Sasquatch here. Or is it a werefrog? Ah! Say yourselves, get some Quicksilver! Foul beast, I will banish you with this thermometer. But the males do grow to only 10 centimeters, 4 inches for those who love overly complicated math. Ooh, it's a little pixie. Anyway, the hairy projections this frog is named after only appear on males, and only during the breeding season, and are actually skin papillae that form hair-like structures over the animal's flanks and thighs. The role of these papillae is shrouded Shrouded in mystique, mystique, as the species is rarely studied in the wild, so its behavior during the breeding season is relatively unknown. Males are also much larger than females and apparently guard their brood of eggs from predators. The most prevalent hypothesis is that these skin projections drastically increase the male's oxygen intake, acting like some sort of gill by providing the animal's skin a greater surface area. Most frogs actually breathe through their skin, so the more skin they have, the more effective their cutaneous respiration is. Now evidence of this is that the hair-like protrusions are actually highly vascularized, meaning are rich in blood vessels, this would allow the male either to gain enough energy to mate and produce healthy offspring, or to remain submerged underwater for days while guarding the eggs. The hairiness is only temporary and only present during the breeding season, so the males go through drastic proteus-like changes in appearance throughout the year. And, and now, now, the cooler, cooler adaptation, adaptation! The marrow of this, this frog's, frog's allure! allure retractable, retractable claws! Claw. Which are highly rare in the amphibian world, but not really exclusive to only this species, as similar adaptations are present in nine species of the Astylosternus genus as well as the species Scotobleps gabonicus, the gaboon force frog. Oh, they're like a brotherhood of evil mutant frogs. Now, all of these other species also seem to have bony claws that grow out of their toes, but what makes the wolverine frog unique is that it needs to actively break the bones of its own toes in order to expose its claws, which actually pierce through the skin of their fingertips. Ooh, when they come out, does it hurt? Every time. But luckily for them, frogs are notorious for their regenerative abilities, so they can quickly recover from this trauma and keep on breaking their toes when needed. I guess the pain lets you know you're still alive. Hey, I just remembered something. You know who else has retractable claws? He's from those movies. Ice Age. Diego was his name. The saber-toothed tiger. I mean, cats have retractable claws. So do tigers. Surely saber tigers had them. I know I said last episode I will not cover tigers, but these guys have daggers on their face. Hell yeah! I'm gonna talk about them. The saber tiger is so much cooler than the wolverine frog. It's stronger, larger, hairier, more vicious. It can eat the wolverine frog and its whole family for breakfast. I keep my hopes up we will once find a perfectly preserved specimen under some deep pile of, uh, Emma Frosts? And ice? Man, that would be so badass. Oh my giant furry bloodthirsty kitty pride is the only thing I can feel for you. I'm gonna save you for your very own special episode, probably when I celebrate the 25 year jubilee of the show. Until then, the climate will only worsen. We are revolving around a giant fire star. The extreme sunfire it unleashes will melt away a glacier, possibly cause a rock slide, expose some magma that will slowly revive you from your eternal slumber. You will be my new best friends, my Weapon X, and we will reign supreme together on a war path to unleash malice upon. We interrupt this program to bring you a few seconds of joy and happiness. Happy, 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 happy... Yay! It is our destiny. Well... It's a long shot. A guy could only wish upon a moon star. Well, since it's the North Pole I'm talking about, I should wish upon a North Star or Aurora Borealis. K, Darwin, chill out. Ah, I forgot my medication. Okay, where was I? Ah yes, the claws! Well, apart from the gruesome method of brandishing them, what is also unique about these claws in the whole animal world is that they are naked bone and do not have a covering of keratin. Now, the distant fingertip bone is barbed and, under normal circumstances, is attached to a bony nodule via strands of collagen. When in danger, the frog contracts a muscle that forces the barbed bone through its skin. It then uses this spike, this built-in Excalibur, I imagine, to inflict a powerful shogun death strike upon its foes, cunning like a viper, swift as a silver samurai. In the blink of an eye, it will poke out your... eye. Render you a cyclops. Wait a minute, these claws are only present on the hind legs! Ah oh, man, just as I started thinking you were cool. Apparently there is another frog often referred to as the Wolverine frog, the autumn frog from the genus Babina. It has switchblade claws only on the thumbs of the front legs. Such a razor fist. Come on, I just had to choose the hairy frog, whose special ability is having broken toes. Lame. Even scientists used to think it was lame because they attributed this adaptation as a high evolutionary strategy to... Have a firmer grip over rocks when jumping. I'm removing that from my head cannon. It does not make sense that something will constantly break its own bones to have a firm grip. No! And first you slip, then you break your bones. That's how it works for all creatures. It has been reported that when grabbed, the frog tries to kick its way out of the holder's grasp, slashing the holder's skin along the way, leaving a bloody mess. Whoever handled any type of frog would already know how they like to try and kick their way out. Apparently, the Bakasi people in Cameroon have known this for centuries, as they hunt and eat these frogs, but do so with long spears to stay away from their kicks. Oh, how typical of us imperial foreigners to learn this the hard way, as the non-native scientists studying the species had to experience this defensive strategy firsthand. You know... Maybe the people who spend their lives hunting these things know what the heck they're doing and can provide important insights. Now, it would be more accurate to refer to these claws as erectile claws, because there is no known mechanism of their retraction. It is believed that the claws retract passively when the muscle used to brandish them is relaxed. Now the most widely accepted function of these claws is for defense against predators. However, I have looked into this, and it seems many male specimens are found that have scars all over their body supporting the idea that the claws are used in aggressive, male-to-male, intraspecific combats. But as the females also have these claws, I doubt this is their most primary use. Also, remember those hair strands that we talked about? Well, apparently, they may actually be used as armor during these roughhouse confrontations. Now, I did not believe this hypothesis, because most sources state the structures are rich in blood vessels that can even reach deep into the epidermis. So why would a structure that is used for armor have the possibility of bleeding out? Well, the scientists who proposed this also describe a mechanism of closing out the circulation to these hair-like structures so maybe, but I doubt it is their primary function. Now, even though I do have a degree in biology, I am not an expert. This is an edutainment podcast. In no way do I claim that my words are the pinnacle of scientific inquiry. Though I am a maverick, I leave a lot of details out which do not fit my poetic narrative. But in the real world, everything is important, and every little detail, however insignificant it may be, actually tremendously influences how species evolve. I highly encourage you to research these topics more in depth, as these scientists have dedicated their lives into understanding these intricacies and most media outlets tend to bastardize and sensationalize their work, because unfortunately, ain't nobody got time for extremely intricate details about the world around them, but I'll try to do my best. Once I get a few more episodes up, I will try to get this podcast on any remaining apps and platforms. I do need to go through some registration act, like look at this submission form asking for too much personal info. So let's try to fill one out. What are they looking for? First and last name, gender, location, age. Uh, Darwin, X, man, X, 23. Okay, I lied, I'm closer to the Generation X crowd. Favorite movie, Polaris. Or was it Solaris, that spicy George Clooney movie in space, also Gladiator. Favorite video game? Definitely Pokemon Omega Red. Is that what it's called? Man, I'm such a kid. Omega Ruby, yeah. Oh, these are getting specific. Favorite World of Warcraft class? I can't pick just one. I usually play a warlock, a hunter in darkness, an iron monk, also occasionally a shaman. Favorite martial arts move? Uh, the Vulcan nerve pinch? Favorite chess piece? (laughs) Hmm, A bishop? Preferred girlfriend name? Well... Celine, Scarlet, which is also a cool name. What is this thing? Oh, I'm on a dating site. Yeah, I use those, I'm a sweet man, but also a gorgon, a morlock that never comes out of his bastion of a home, also the current contagion and strife within society, better to stay in my haven like a living monolith, a barnacle, and try to mimic a normal life, hope summer's over, or some sunspot appeared, I can't stand the heat. Yeah, I should edit this whole bit out, Jeez, the show is starting to decay and morph into a jumbled up chimera frenzy of random nonsense. <laughs> Hey guys, Doran from the future here, so I'm keeping this in, I need to mole my episodes, pump up their tempo, who even listens to 10 minute shows. So here's the other changeling rant I prepared in all its glory, more content for my acolytes. many podcasts which cover these types of subjects, this is my X Factor. I'm so ecstatic about sharing my knowledge. Being unique as the wonderful creatures I talk about really feeds my ego. I'm a prodigy, a mastermind, a sentinel of cyber knowledge. I'm the best there is at what I do, but what I do best isn't very nice. I hope I don't get bad karma. I'm a big gentle colossus, an angel, but also a lonely husk of a maggot, a nimrod. Now call me Mr. Sinister if you wish, but then again, if you don't enjoy this type of content, you picked the wrong house, bub. But just so the podcast does not spiral out of control like a domino sack, be sure to send me your tips and suggestions to darwinsdeviations at gmail.com. This is my own arcade, my personal chamber of knowledge, but can also be a danger room and go boom boom very quickly. And I really don't want my fans to experience vertigo while listening or become multiple men and cuckoos like myself, so any suggestion is appreciated. Darwin, really cut your goddamn head off, see if that works. Well, not you again. You might remember that annoyed is my natural state, you come back like some Nightcrawler Phoenix and you're ruining my mojo. Be Gandhi hellion. Uh, excuse me, I'm a Shadow King. Go fuck yourself. Whose balls do I have to fondle to get my very own reference? I'm better at doing whatever it is Wolverine does. Today was as much fun as a sandpaper dildo. Did I leave my stove Huh. <gasps> You be Dear listener, that was my attempt to sound like Deadpool. The only character I intentionally left out of the episode, so I may do this ending gag. And if you haven't realized by now, this whole episode is themed around the X-Men. I'm talking about the Wolverine frog, for hell's sake. Though in the episode, I never acknowledge this. I never acknowledge the connection with the Wolverine character, but rather the Wolverine animal. I intentionally put all these... Co- comic book references in the episodes and never acknowledge them, so I may annoy the heck out of my comic book fan audience. And you probably realize that this episode has like hundreds of X-Men character names inserted into the script. I have no idea how I got it. <laughs> got to this idea. So for my second episode I thought hey I want to do an amphibian. What cool amphibians are there? I knew about the wolverine frog for a long time and also I knew about another species of salamander which breaks its own ribs to produce spikes which it uses to stab predators. But the more I thought about it the more I was like I already did a lizard and salamanders are, are, are kind of you know shaped like lizards. But also with the wolverine frog I can go into a lot of different things, especially the comic book thing. It looks like even here, I was aware that I wanted to transform species, animals into characters, into archetypes, so the comic book theme was a very big thing, because throughout the rest of my podcast, I was playing constantly with this theme of why are we amazed with uh, corporately manufactured products, comic book characters with superpowers when there are millions of creatures out there in the world with superpowers that we never give the light of day, why are we amazed with a fictional Wolverine asshole? when there is a frog that has retractable claws and also hair-like strands that it uses to fucking breathe. Through fucking hair. Maybe because Wolverine is manufactured so people may enjoy him, so people may be used as cash cows for a giant corporate enterprise. While nature is free and you cannot market nature, you cannot sell it for entertainment, and you cannot license characters out of creatures that exist in the natural world. So that's what was going through my mind, and I was thinking, how do I annoy the heck out of a comic book audience for being stupid enough to be obsessed with fictional characters and yet know nothing about the natural world around them? So I was like, hey, what a great idea. Let me insert hundreds of names of every single X-Men character I could find. Those who do not know anything about the X-Men will think, ah, this is an interesting choice of words but those who are fans and are in the know will not be able to listen to this episode well actually after i published it a friend of mine who is an x-men comic book fan listened to the episode and said i could not pay attention to anything because every every other word was popping into my head and generating images of these characters that's very interesting to me that a single name a single word can pop up a whole archetypal image in our heads and if you insert a hundred of these words randomly throughout a script, then they will manifest hundreds of different characters and feelings within the minds of those who already have these established archetypes inside their minds. Anyway, yeah, this is the episode where I introduce the character of you. But Darwin, I am you. Yeah, that's literally your name, dude. I don't want to be you anymore. I want to be me. Well, unfortunately, you cannot be you because you are me. Guys, I don't know why I... even made this character, I wanted to do a voice inside my head. I wanted to play around with the idea that I am fucking insane and that I am talking with voices inside my head. I know that is very offensive towards mental illness issues, but at this point in my show, I was trying to play with the idea that maybe my character is insane because I had the plan of eventually disassociating from reality and the show devolving into a mess of random nonsense where you no longer know what is real and what is imaginary all of these characters popping out of my head and you're thinking are these real actual physical characters in my studio are they psychological manifestations of a deranged mind or are they all inside my mind and is the studio actually inside my head so for this first episode I kept it simple and I thought hey I'm gonna create a character who is a demon that I talk to though later on throughout the show I had no idea what you even is. I played around with the idea that it's a demon that it's an emotional sucking parasite bound to my body that it's maybe a talpa that did not gain its own autonomy so it stays with me because it is pretty cowardly and by the end of the show you just says that he is my shadow whatever that means. <laughs> Is he a being that exists within my shadow, or is he literally my shadow, or is he my own doppelganger, my own dark side? I do refer in this episode to him being a dark beast that is let loose, and once you let loose the dark beast, the dark beast gets angry. And in this episode, I wanted to keep him nameless, but because eventually in other episodes, he keeps telling me, Darwin, I am you, but Darwin, I am you. Ah, see? Well, I thought, hey, maybe his name should literally be you, and I'm just misinterpreting what he's trying to tell me. This is also the first episode where I totally went with the choice of annoying the heck out of my audience and disorienting them. Every other word is an X-Men character. I constantly lose my train of thought. I constantly insert funny voices or comments that have nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I go into a whole tad about Sabertooth Tigers though that is a nod to Sabertooth the arch nemesis of Wolverine and me saying how Sabertooth Tigers are much better than Wolverine frogs and stronger and more vicious and then I go into this frenzy where the recording is hijacked for a brief moment by what will later be revealed to be Squishy, who I introduced in episode 4. When I was making this episode I had no idea I would be introducing Squishy as a character, I just used a funny childish sounding voice effect for this small comedy segment, I had the idea in my head, um, maybe this is an alien that is intercepting my broadcast. Later on, that would become the character of Squishy, though he is not an alien. And after that scene, there is this motif I went with for, I don't know, the first 10-ish episodes of my show. I'd have this running gag where all this crazy nonsense would be happening and I'd be talking with my characters and voices and whatnot and I'd realize, fuck, I did not take my medication. With the sound effect of a cuckoo clock symbolizing me taking my medication. And after I take the medication, the voices are usually gone until the end of the episode. Eventually, because the voices in my episode, the characters, are not a sign of mental illness, I realize that the medication is not doing anything, and that there's something more to these voices. But yeah, that's something... I maybe shouldn't have played with. But you know, it's hard to talk about (laughs) voices inside your head, personifications of um, psychological archetypes, even tulpas and tulpamancy and uh, channeling paranormal entities without kinda touching upon mental illness. I wanted to keep it vague for a long time on my show whether I, the character Darwin, the host, am insane or if these things are Actually, happening in the studio. If these are what you'd call paranormal occurrences, or if it is just at all a figment of my imagination, or the more deeper theme I was going with is me playing with archetypes within my head and all my characters being like action figures that I'd play with as a small child, trying to figure out the world around myself, but most importantly, trying to figure out who the heck I am. All of that in this. 15-ish minute episode, but there is more. So I also liked the parts where I made fun of scientists, especially... (laughs) the western idiot scientists who go to Cameroon to study this frog and then just, you know, grab it in their hands thinking it will all be great. And the frog just slashes at their skin and lets them bleed. There are already natives, the Bakasi people of Cameroon, who eat these frogs and they have been hunting them for centuries using spears because they are well aware of their painful kicks. But white western imperial bastards go to Africa to study their wildlife and do not ask the natives what they know about these creatures because oh these natives eat frogs such savages no I know everything about the wildlife that lives here because I work from a laboratory in England and you try to grab this frog in your hand get hurt and the same natives who you were underestimating are just laughing their asses off at you being such an imperial idiot but also in the episode, I encourage listeners to go seek the research papers for themselves and actually inform themselves on the facts. Because there are a lot of articles on the internet on this frog, but generally about very interesting, weird species with amazing superpowers which are written not very scientifically and which are more sensationalistic. They do not get their facts straight, and if you actually look into the facts, you will find much more interesting information. The retractable claws are not, you know, the only interesting thing about this species. It has hair-like strands that it uses to breathe, and maybe... These external gills, covering their body like here, are used as armor during male-on-male competition battling. So think about you having your lungs outside of the body covering your skin, and using your fucking lungs as armor in case somebody stabs you. And if somebody stabs your lung armor, (laughs) you then break the bones of your own fingers so the barbed bones may protrude out of your your fingertips, so you may stab them back. Maybe it hurts, who cares? Your fingertips will heal up because you're a frog and you have regenerative abilities, just like Wolverine. Isn't that much cooler than comic book characters? But speaking of comic book characters, that whole segment at the end of the dating website... (laughs) (laughs) I had a lot of names that I could not fit in, so I just used that segment to fit in more and more names. That's the only reason that segment exists. And by the end of the episode, I drop my first f-bomb of the show. Wow, two episodes in, and I say go fuck yourself. The famous line that Wolverine uttered in one of the X-Men movies, I can't remember which one right now. But yeah, the story behind that line in the movie is that they could keep the movie PG-13 if there was one F-bomb in it. So they used their, um, rights to use one F-bomb for that scene with Wolverine. So I'm thinking, hey, I have a nice podcast, and if I can say fuck one time, I should sure as heck use it. At the very end, when I already lured people in, in with my politeness and thinking this is a nice scientific podcast. All in all, this is... I don't know. I really like this episode, but it is much more childish and juvenile. Well, my later content is more juvenile, especially when I start using fart jokes. But this was just me being funny, but not going the extra mile and kind of refraining from going... Too insane. Like from this episode uh, until the seventh episode, this was the era of a fun, playful Darwin. I was not very angry and I was not swearing a lot. A lot of people like these first seven episodes because in episode eight, I become much darker, much more morbid, and much angrier. I see it as an era when I was opening up to the whimsiness of the whole concept. My character opening up to to the insanity around him, but still going with the flow and accepting it and playing with it and having fun. But by episode eight, my character is pretty annoyed. <laughs> of everything that's happening and then shit starts just going more and more downhill and the angrier and more frustrated i become eventually showing the audience the worst of me but yeah this is a fun episode that i like to go back to even though it is very cringe now (laughs) listening to all those names being brought up but hey that was the point i made the episode with the intention of fucking with my audience disorient them, annoying them, and leaving them thinking, what the fuck am I listening to? I loved it. I loved the feedback I got. People told me they were very, very annoyed with the episode, and that made me so happy that I just decided, hey, I am not gonna do a scientific podcast. I'm gonna do a satire parody insanity anti-podcast. And I'm gonna talk about real scientific things that I actually researched very well, but I'm gonna muddy them up with non Sense. Even when I research topics and want to learn, I need to constantly sift through bullshit to get to the good stuff. So why shouldn't my audience sift through my own bullshit to get to the good stuff and educate themselves? Why should I serve them anything on the platter when I am creating a show for myself? As a mirror image to what I am going through and the episode mirroring my thought processes and how I feel recently, researching the episode I am making. Oh, very meta. Even now I'm doing meta episodes where I'm talking about my own content. And waking me up from my eternal slumber. Uh, And talking to my characters, I guess. Again. I'm tired of this bullshit. I'm not looking forward to editing this. Well, looks like I forgot to take my medication again. So, I bid you farewell, my dear listener. Darwin, go fuck yourself.